to wipe us off the face of the earth and to prevent us from receiving the promise of God. And that's where we are, Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. All right. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. That's the place where the water came out of the rock. And so Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us and go out and fight against Amalek. They've yet never had to fight until now. And tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill, likely a part of Mount Sinai, the Mount of God. And so it came about when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. And thus his hands were steady until the sun set. Look at your neighbor and say, steady. They were steady. Very good. And so Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is my banner. Remember that. And he said, The Lord has sworn the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. Are you in the fight of your life? Are you in the fight of your life? You never had anybody get mad at you for no reason? Now, I know if you're married, you are going to say yes, uh, because sometimes you just walk home and they're like, Ah! What did I do? Well, you know, and then they proceed to explain what you did and that, you know, you didn't know. Uh, or someone just slapped you for no reason and you just say, what was that for? Uh, sometimes people just get mad at us for no reason. And that's probably what Israel's singing in this moment. What in the world do these people want? Can we just get out of the desert for crying out loud? I'm just trying to, we don't want this place. We don't want anything to do with you. Just leave us alone. Let's just keep moving forward uh, because I'm ready to get out of here. You and I have a spiritual enemy who's very much the same way. And you and I are fighting against someone. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says that you and I are struggling not against flesh and blood, that's people, but really you and I are struggling against the rulers, the powers, against the forces of, of this worldly darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And like Amalek, the devil and his legions are fighting against you. Why? Why in the world does the enemy want to pounce on you when you're weak and weary, when you're in the middle of the desert, when you feel like giving up anyway, when you're really not sure what you're doing here or why? Why does the devil see fit to try to take you out in that moment? And what is it about you that he is so interested in? It's a because of who you are. Look at this. Because of who you are. Scripture says this, that Christians are the temple of the living God. And just as God told Israel in this in this in Exodus, he'll tell them, I will dwell in you and I will walk among you. Jesus comes to the New Testament. He says, hey, guys, just like Israel, just like God said he would dwell among his people and dwell in the midst of his people. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he's going to be with you. And he's also then after the cross going to be in you. It's the same passage. And so Jesus is saying the same thing uh, to the church today that God said to Israel back then. And the Spirit testifies again today for you and me. It says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is from Exodus. A people for God's own possession 
that you may what? Proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You and I are this modern day Israel. And just like the enemy came against Israel, the enemy has come against you. No doubt. You can't, if you're in this place and he hasn't come against you, and I would say check your Facebook status uh, on who you really are, okay? Uh, because you are something special to God. Amen? Do you believe that today? Somebody here? You are something special to God. You are a prized possession to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who spoke the universe into existence. He says, I want to be with you and in you. I'm declaring you a holy people, a royal priesthood of me and my kingdom. That's pretty awesome. And he says, and so that you can proclaim something awesome about me that I am willing to call you who was a nobody into my marvelous light. That's the kind of God he is. Amen. And that's the kind of people you are. So you got to know that first off, forget what the enemy said about you and what they're doing. You are something special in God's eyes. You are a people for God's own possession. And so you and I've got this persistent, harassing schemer of a devil. That's what the Bible says. He's a persistent, harassing schemer who wants to steal, steal, kill and destroy every testimony of God. And that's what you are. You are a testimony today. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a testimony. Oh, man, y'all are such a sad testimony. Come on now. I am a testimony of God, right? I'm a testimony. My life's a testimony. I know about you. I didn't save myself. I didn't redeem my life from the pit. But I am a testimony of the Most High God. That's my life. My life's a testimony. And the, the devil, he does not want God's name to be exalted in your life. He hates the God in you. It's not really you so much. He hates the God in you. And he hates what God can do in you. Because really, you by yourself, you're no threat. You by yourself, he already got you the moment you were born. You know, we were born into sin. We're destined to hell. But he hates the God in you. He don't hate the world and the people of the world. He hates the Christian. He hates the believer. Because you've got a God in you who's willing to make your life a testimony. Come on. God wants to make your life a testimony. All right? And so He hates your identity. He hates your purpose. He hates your destiny in Christ. And He wants to rob you of any refreshment of the Holy Spirit. Listen now. He wants to rob you of any refreshment in the Holy Spirit. Some people in this room today, too long you haven't been refreshed by the Holy Spirit. Too long you've come to the altar and received nothing from God. That's the devil wanting to rob you from the refreshment of the Holy Spirit. He wants to rob you from receiving the Word of God. And he especially wants your faith to fail and you to quit and give up and stop pressing in to go deeper into Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Think about it when the, de- when the enemy came. Amalek comes. They show up. When do they show up? They show up right after they were refreshed by the spring of water out of the rock, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit being poured out. Right after they received the Holy Spirit symbolically and right before they would push up to the mountain of God and receive the very word from God's own lips. The enemy likewise, man, as soon as you get blessed by God, as soon as you get that, oh man, God, thank you. I had a break this week. What happens? Monday shows up. The devil's right there waiting for you. Welcome. Welcome outside your door. Let's just drive to work together. Right? That's what he does. He's waiting there Monday morning. The first thing, you just had an awesome church service today at Sanctuary. You better believe you're going to walk out of this room. The devil's just sitting, hey, buddy, come on, let's go for a ride. That's what he's going to do. 
And right before those, even notice those moments right before you're like, I'm going to read my Bible today and get into God's word. What happens? Car breaks down. Somebody's crying in the back. You know, things happen. The dog dies. Something to where you don't get into that alone time with Jesus. The enemy loves to come right before and after a blessing of God. He knew what God was about to give Israel on that mountain. He was about to give them their identity, their purpose, and equip them for, to take the promised land. And often the devil has come against you today right before a major breakthrough in your life. Right before you receive the blessing of God. Right before. And he wants more than anything for you to give up and not get that prophetic word from God. Not get that inspiration you need and turn around and go back to Egypt. Somebody say amen. And, and, and Jesus said the same thing in Mark chapter 4. He said, man, the seed of God's word, just like that, is this farmer. He sows these seeds up. And the devil, he loves to snatch it up before people bury it deep in their hearts. And some people, maybe they get it and they bury it just a little bit deep. But then those hard times, those persecutions come and it kills whatever growth it has. And sometimes people maybe even bury it. But the pride and the cares and affairs and the lust of this world choke it out and they all go back to Egypt. They all turn away because they didn't have it rooted down deep. And Satan is here uh, uh, in this world today, and he's saying, hey, they just got called by God. I know that believer, they just got delivered out of sin. I'm going to stop them before they dig deep in the Word. If I can make them lose their faith before they become a testimony of God. You see, it's, it's, it's one testimony to be saved. It's another testimony to make it into heaven. It wouldn't have been much of a testimony if they got delivered out of Egypt only to turn around and go back. Right. Our testimony gets completed when we make that final lap and we say up in, you know, like Paul says, I've run my lap. I've, I've ran the race for me up in heavens, laid up a crown of righteousness. And Paul died a martyr's death and received that crown. His testimony was completely finished then. Right. Your life and my life is a testimony and it's still being written today. And the devil wants more than anything to break you from being a testimony of God. And so what ends in your hand? What is in your hand today? Uh, look with me in uh, Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. Look just a few passages back. The enemy today is waiting along the road to the promise. The enemy today in your life is waiting on your road to receive the fullness of God in His Spirit, the fullness of God in His Word, and He doesn't want you to make it to heaven either. Here's something cool. If God calls you, He says He'll equip you. If God calls you, he'll equip you. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse four says the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, not just little armored cars for the destruction of fortresses. Now, come on. God has given you something. And while Joshua has gone into battle with a sword, Moses went to the hill with what? What do you go up the hill with? A staff. I have this staff here today. Somebody, a young a youth made it for me as I was pastoring up in Missouri. And uh, he personally made it uh, just for me, and I thank him for that. Uh, but Moses went up to the hill with a staff. Why? What's a staff? A staff was a walking stick for shepherds. They would use it to guide, count their sheep, uh, you know, even to divide up the tithe. They would use it to defend their sheep. But also, the staff, if you were an older man, you'd probably lean on it. It's kind of a walking stick. But at the same time, a staff was also a symbol of a prophetic ministry. It was a symbol of a priestly ministry. 
and the staff, also the same word for rod, it was used for royalty. You'd see a shorter one, a very engraved one. You see uh, the Egyptians had these short little rods and have gold and, and emeralds and things like that on it. And it was a symbol of their authority, their power, their kingship. And so the same is true also that in the families, in the clans, in the tribes, a staff was used as a banner, uh, kind of symbolic of that clan or that tribe or that country. Uh, some, you know, like today we, we buy guys... We buy a bunch of guns, and, and we kind of get that, ooh, I got that nice Remington 3030, or, you know, and you kind of go for a 410, you know, just whatever. You, whatever you got, you want that upgrade. They didn't have all that back then. They had a staff. So you better be sure, honey, ladies, uh, your husband wants a better staff this Christmas. You know, okay, that's kind of one of those things. They engraved them. They, they wrote their tribal names on them, and it was very special and often passed down from the father of the tribe to the son, okay? And it represented the tribe. The father would lead the family with the staff, okay? Uh, and it was something special, right? Uh, we don't get a lot of it now because obviously wood doesn't last forever, so we don't have a whole lot of records about all this. But that was the staff. So God tells Moses, take your staff. And so in Exodus chapter 4, I want to go back just a little bit because I want you to understand something about this story that is some depth to it. Exodus chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. Long before this battle... God comes to Moses, and he's in the wilderness, and he has traded in his Egyptian rod for 40 years as a shepherd's staff. Life had dealt him some bad stuff. And so he had humbled himself and become a shepherd in the middle of the desert, nowhere. Left his position of royalty and, and authority and traded in it for a shepherd's staff. And God shows up to Moses in his life, and he says, Moses, what's in your hand? And he says, a staff. What did that represent for Moses? Maybe it's a path he didn't choose to take, a path of his life. It was literally representing his life and his story, his testimony. And he says, Moses, what's in your hand? And he says, a staff. And then God says, lay it down. And Moses lays down his staff. He throws it on the ground. And in that moment, God was saying to Moses, Moses, give me your life. Give me your life. Lay down your past failures. Lay down your present excuses. And lay down your future plans and your dreams. And it's the same thing that Jesus says to you and I today. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Lay himself down. Where are you at today in your life? Because before we can even talk about winning your battles, that's the first step Moses had to take. He laid down his life. He said, God, here's my life. I lay it down. My, all the things of my past, my excuses of the present, all my future dreams. And every person in this room today, every person hearing my voice today has a life God is willing to use. You have a life God is willing to use if you're willing to lay it down. You have a life God is willing to use if you're willing to lay it down. Now look in verse 20, chapter 4 of Exodus. God tells Moses and his family and they return to Egypt. And it says, he went with the what? The staff of God in his hand. No longer from that day forward was it Moses' staff. But when Moses went down, it was a snake in that time. And he picked it back up. What did he pick back up? He didn't pick back up his own life. 
he picked back up a new thing, the staff of God. In that moment, Moses' identity was changed. In that moment, when he laid it down, God, he said, Moses, what's in your hand? Lay it down. Jesus says, deny yourself. And then Jesus says what? Pick back up your cross and follow me. It became a testimony. No longer was it Moses' life. It was God's life. No, no longer was it Moses' identity, it was God's identity. He wasn't just Moses the shepherd anymore, he was Moses the prophet. And no longer was it uh, God's or Moses' testimony and Moses' story, but it was God's testimony and God's story. And you and I today have a choice, before we'll leave this place, you have a choice to lay down your life. But when you pick it back up again, it's no longer yours. It was your testimony before, your story of what you had done and what you have. I was a husband, I was a wife, I was a father, I was a mother, I worked here, I worked there. When you come to the altar and you lay it down and you pick it back up, now it's saying, I'm a child of the King. I've been bought with a price. My price has been paid as a laid up a crown of righteousness and glory for me. And my life is no longer my own, but I am called and equipped by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? Every person has a life God is willing to use if you're laying it down. And today, have you picked back up your calling? Have you picked up your calling today? The staff was once the testimony of Moses' life, was now the testimony of God. And now that staff had led them out of Egypt. That staff had parted the Red Sea. And that staff had uh, done many things, even striking that rock and seeing the Spirit poured out. It wasn't Moses's anymore. It was God's. God's staff. The staff of God. And so he tells Moses, Moses, take the staff of God in your hand. Take the testimony that I've done something in your life and go up to the mount of God. Come up to me into my presence and look over the people. Because the enemies come against you. Mm. The enemies come against you. Take what I've done in your past and bring it with you to the mountain. Take the authority that I've given you, the power that I've given you, and remember who I am. And so just as Joshua went to the battlefield with a sword, Moses went to the battlefield with a staff. And so he got to the, he got to the mount and he raises it up And Joshua began to battle for their lives. And it didn't just testify anymore to Moses' failures, but it testified to all the things that God had done before. And to raise up the staff, a banner, the staff is a banner, to raise up that testimony was to raise up the testimony of God over the people of Israel. It was to say, God has brought us out of Egypt by the ten plagues. God has parted the Red Sea. God has given us manna. God has led led us to springs of clear crystal water. God has provided time and time again. That's the banner we're fighting under today. Somebody say amen. And in your life today, what are you raising up? Because it's so easy in your life when you're fighting temptations and trials and the enemy comes against you to say, well, we're going to make it. Where we're going to go through this or, or I've got this or how are we going to make it? But are we going to the, the testimony? 
Not of what you have done in your life or who you say you are, but the testimony that says, God has raised a banner over me in Jesus Christ. There's something that God has done in my life. That I am saved. I have been redeemed. That there's hell ain't got nothing on me, Miss Georgia. There's something that God has done in my life. And I can remember when God delivered me out of Egypt. I can, deli- I can remember when God baptized me in that water and He filled me with the Holy Spirit. I can remember when God called me into the ministry, changed my whole personality. I can remember when God provided for our finances, when God called us to move to Louisiana. I can remember that God has fed me with the Word of God. He's quenched me with the Holy Spirit. And He's been with me in every wilderness in my life. Amen? So if you want to win the battle today, you've got to give God the banner. Amen? If you want to win the battle today, it can't be your banner you're fighting under. It's God's. You're not doing it for you. You're not fighting for you. The enemy don't care about you and your life and your story. Your story ain't a threat. It's the testimony of God you hold in your hand. That's the threat. It's what God can do through you when you surrender to God. Man, it's good today. Whew. It's what you can do through God. That's the threat. So you figure out, man, God's just coming against my family. Man, the car breaking down. Cancer's fighting me. I don't know what it is. It ain't about you. It's about what God can do through you. You want to win the battle today, give the Lord the banner. Give Him your authority. Give Him your comfort, your defense, your life story. And then you pick His authority up. You pick His comfort up. You pick His defense up and you pick His story up. And let your testimony not be your testimony. Let it be the testimony of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live, even though I'm living in the flesh, I live it by faith in the testimony of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. He wasn't fighting for Himself. He's fighting under the banner of Jesus. The life which I live is a testimony of what God has done in my life. Amen? All right. Now let's get to the battle. They're fighting. What determines in your life today? You've got the staff of God in. What determines in your life if you're going to win or lose? So now we're on the mountain. Moses is up there. He's holding the banner high. Now it says that they were fighting all day long. All day long. What will determine today in your life if you will win or lose the battle for God's promises? I'll give you three things real quick about winning or losing the battle today. Number one, we just said it, but if you want to win the battle, it's got to be God's banner that you're fighting under. You will lose if you begin to fight for your own purpose. I'm fighting just to keep my car. No, you're not. That car don't matter. You're fighting just to keep your house. No, you're not. That, that house don't matter. You're fighting under the banner of Jesus Christ if you want to win. Amen? I'm fighting to be healthy. No, you're not. You're fighting for a testimony of God's healing. That's what you're fighting for. You're not fighting just to feel better. You're fighting to testify, God heal me. Amen? See the difference there? It's so easy to focus on ourselves, start fighting under our own banner. Oh, I'm just trying to make it by. No, you're not. Lord, help you. If you want to win, you're not just trying to get, get by. You be testifying to what God has done in your life, right? So number one, 
You want to win, you've got to fight under God's banner. To raise it is to depend on God alone. Say, I'm not fighting to be happy. I'm not fighting to be satisfied. I'm not fighting to be comfortable. I'm not even fighting to be blessed or safe, even though that will come. You're fighting to lift up the testimony of Christ to gain the victory in His name and His honor. That's number one. Number two, to win, you must have a steadfast faith. You're going to have to have endurance to fight the enemy. You're going to have to have endurance. And it's going to come not because you've got stamina, because you're smart, because you're intellectual, or because you know the Word of God, or because you've been saved for 50 years. That's not what it is. It's faith. Steadfast faith that endures through the long, dark nights, being you know that joy comes in the morning. That's the testimony of faith. And so faith, Moses begins to hold the flag up, the banner of faith. He says, this is what God has done in the past. We're fighting under the banner of God today. All right? And he says he's holding that up. But you know what? Sometimes God fights for us. Sometimes God fights through us. And we lose when our, in our weakness we begin to lower the banner. So Moses is up there. He's fighting. Man, God, whoo, buddy, I got faith. But, Lord, this is getting heavy. This faith is getting really heavy. Let me switch this hand. All right, God, come on. We're winning. Yeah, we're winning. Okay. I'll take a break for a second. And what happens? They begin to lose. We let that faith go down. Let that testimony go down. Ooh, what am I fighting for? I'm just fighting to get by, brother. Just fighting. Okay, come on. Let's go. All right, they're fighting again. I'm raise the banner. Lord, I'm fighting for Jesus Christ to live a testimony. Holy, holy, holy. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. When is this going to get over? You know, like, God, come on. I thought we were going to get through this today. Lord, why don't you just come on down here and zap these people? Or are you thinking, down there on the battlefield, they're down there with Joshua, where in the world is Moses? Where is that dude at? And he's like, same thing. Where is the pastor in my battle? Where is the pastor? Where is the leader? Where is my small group leader in the middle of this war? Because it's getting uh, long and hot. And we start this thing at 8 o'clock, and I'm trying to get home by 5. got a pot roast on, or whatever. And so let's raise that banner. Okay. And so it begins to get tired. You have faith to withstand a series of attacks from the enemy. Do you have faith not only to withstand against some doubt? What about the devil sends some discouragement after that? What if he sends depression after that? What if he sends some loss and some sickness in your life after that? What if he sends some financial hardship then after that? What if you get to a place where you're just spiritually apathetic and you just don't care no more? You willing to fight that? I'm telling you what, that's hard to fight right there. Spiritually, I just don't care no more, God. I'm tired of fighting. Raise the banner. Raise the banner. You have a steadfast faith. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15, in a crazy battle with Jehoshaphat, God said to him, Do not be afraid. Do not lose hope. The battle is not yours. It's mine. I'm not fighting for me. I'm fighting for Jesus. So number one, you've got to win under the banner. Number two, you're going to win under steadfast faith. And number three, you'll win if you have hope in Christ's testimony. In His testimony. It's not your testimony. It's His we lose when we get discouraged in temporary defeat. Man, can you imagine? They, they started to lose. You start thinking, well, I thought I was supposed to win. I thought this Bible thing would work. Hold on, let me quote John three sixteen seven seven times. See if that changes my life. 
Let me, let me start reading Ephesians chapter 6 over and over and over again. Let me, let me get the Bible prophecy word of the day. Let me go to church 17 times in a week. Something's got to work, right? We start using it like a magic eight ball, right? I'll tell you something. The staff was not a magic wand. It was a piece of wood. Going to church, reading your Bible and praying is nothing if there's not faith behind it. It's not a stick. It was faith. It was a belief that God has been for us time and again, and He's still for us still. And even though in a moment I start to backtrack, I mess up, I make a mistake, or I fail, and there's some defeat in my life, in that moment, what happened? Aaron and her come alongside, men of faith. They begin to say, all right, Mo, I can see Moses. He's one hand. Okay, God. Two hand. Okay, number two. Okay. It's like the Rocky movie. Dun, 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 dun. You know, and then he just, ah, and he's holding, I think he was shaking. Okay, we're going to get through it. God's on our side. And the people came over, and I began, they looked up, and they began to see, and they said, yeah, there's hope. There's still hope as long as the banner's raising. Aaron and her come alongside, and it says that they were, he was steadied, that there was steadiness. And so Aaron and her come, and they steady his arms. Until evening and the battle is won. Because they had hope. They had hope that it ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. Your life ain't over yet. There's still hope. The battle is not over yet. There's still hope. And you've got to have hope in Christ's testimony. And when you think, why am I fighting? I don't even like this desert. I don't even have enough skill to get through. It's hopeless. We should just turn around and go back. You look up to a cross where a man was hung on Calvary as a testimony of what God has done in your life. It says there's still hope. There's hope. There's hope. When you're fighting for your life, remember this. Jesus gave you His. When you're fighting for your life, remember that Jesus gave you His. And He says in John 10.10, The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You know, we're in this together. I want to help you steady your faith. I want to help you look to an intercessor whose faith doesn't grow weak or weary. His hands never fail. They were nailed to a cross. And He didn't take them down on His own. He, he, he is a God in heaven who never grows weak or weary. He never fails. And we have a perfect intercessor, Hebrews tells us, that, that He came down and He knew our weakness. He knew our infirmities. He knew and bore our diseases. And He's up there seated at the right hand of God making intercession for you and me. He's the perfect image of Moses. And he doesn't need an Aaron or a Hur to come alongside of him. And as long as his hands are raised, there's hope that you're going to win. Amen? There's hope in what Christ has done today. And our job as a church, sometimes we're going to have a sword in one hand. Sometimes you're going to have a staff in the other. But what God has given you is weapons that are not of this world, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses of the enemy, as long as we look up to the mountain and say, I see Christ seated at the right hand of God, 
And the Hebrews even tells us, he says, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weak and weary and lose hope because you have not yet endured what he did. And he still endures. There's hope today. If you have steadfast faith today, if you're fighting under the banner, the testimony of Jesus Christ, if you would lay down your life and you'd pick up His testimony. Lay down your testimony. Pick up His testimony. His testimony never fails. You say, God, I know today, maybe your prayer would be this, to say, God, I know I'm going through this, but I'm going to go through this for You. God, I'm going to give You the glory in advance. I'm going to raise my hands in advance, God. Even though the battle's still raging, I'm going to praise You in the storm. Right, Miss T? I'm giving you the glory in advance. I'm laying down my life and I'm raising up Jesus Christ. I've got faith. I've got hope in who Jesus Christ is, what He's already done. And I'm fighting by faith until the victory comes. Because it's going to come. It will come. It will come. You might have to tell yourself that five, six times a day. But it will come. And when it does... Look down the last part of that verse, that, that chapter. What happened? Moses wins the battle by faith and hope and the testimony of God. And they build an altar. And they name the altar what? The Lord is my banner. And it became a testimony for generations of what God has done and can still do. And your life today, too, when you finish your last lap, when you breathe your last breath, will you have left something, a testimony, not of what you had done, but what God had done through you? That people, your children, your grandchildren, people after you, your people in this church, kids, our youth, our kids' church, can say, man, brother, sister, so-and-so left us a testimony. Not their life. They weren't fighting for them. They left a testimony of what God had continued to do and it will still do today in future generations. Amen. Worship team, would you come? Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for your testimony in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for who you are and what you've done for us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just invite the Holy Spirit in this place today. He's already here. He's already been at work. God, I am nothing.